Welcome to the Audacity Church Podcast. We pray that you are blessed by what you hear today. We love to hear stories of what God is doing in people's lives. Take some time to share your story of how God is working in your life and email us at amen at loveservego.com. Now prepare your heart to hear from God today. Good morning, beautiful people. Was the kids program everything you hoped for? I'm a little frustrated that we didn't charge for you to get in here today. I'm just going to go ahead and say that, put that out there. So if you want to drop five extra dollars in the offering bucket that will be outside, feel free to do that. Uh, I really think that you should, actually. You did not, uh, didn't pay. Um, so I want to kind of unpack an idea before we open the Bible today. If you have your Bibles or your apps, uh, we are not judgmental around here. Go ahead and open those to Matthew chapter 1, and that's where we're going to land. Um, two months ago... Uh, I am watching God's favorite basketball team, the Kentucky Wildcats, play. And um, we all know that that's true. And uh, all of you will come to light. I pray for all of your souls. And uh, I had to watch commercials because the stupid game was on television. And I don't have the fast forward or rewind thing. I don't even know what it's called. Uh, DVD or uh, TiVo or whatever it is. I don't have one. My dad does. He's much cooler than I am. Uh, I don't own one. So I had to watch the commercials. And there's a commercial for a wireless provider. And this is what it says. Thanks getting. I was like, no, it's Thanksgiving. But that's what we've done. That's what culture's done to these holidays. And so we had an entire really cool series planned in November or for December. And we were going to talk about what it meant to be a, a Christian atheist, how you say you believe in God, but you live like you don't. And we struggled. And I decided, you know what? I, wanna, I want us as a church to understand this story. And I want us to understand it well. And so we started in Matthew chapter 1. And we started in verse 18, which we're going to get to today because we're only going to talk about one word in the text today. The first 17 chapter, first 17 verses of the first book of the New Testament is a genealogy. It says so-and-so begot so-and-so, depending on your translation. And it walks us through a genealogy of people that are in Jesus' lineage. And we realize that his lineage is filled with dysfunctional and broken people. There's a prostitute. There's an adulterer. I mean, there's a thief, a liar, and then there's Gentiles, non-Jewish people inside Jesus's lineage. And you see this story being unpacked that God says, I will take whatever you are willing to give to me and I'll make something great from it. So they lived ordinary lives, but they had extraordinary events happen in their lives. We pick it up in verse 18 and Matthew tells us, the perspective of Joseph, the book of Luke, gives us the perspective of Mary. We find out that Joseph was a just or righteous man, is what the Bible says. Joseph had to be obedient to a vision that he has in a dream. Last night, I had a dream that I robbed a bank to fund the church. I don't even remember most of my dreams. I don't know if I should do that or not wasn't an angel speaking specifically to me, but I woke up this morning and I was like, I never remember dreams. And when you wake up before your alarm goes off, is that not the most depressing thing in the entire world? And so I'm like, ah, I'm going to just go ahead and go back to sleep. I didn't know what time it was. And then beep, beep. And I'm like, for the love. Gosh. 
But I'm not going to, uh, don't worry, I'm not going to do that dream. You'll not be seeing Pastor Vodacity Church arrested this weekend. Robbed Midfirst Bank, his bank, he was mad at them. But Joseph was immediately, the Bible tells us, obedient. And we talked about how obedience will uh, often cost you something that you don't want to give up. That's what sucks about obedience. The other cool thing we learned about obedience is that the Bible says when we are obedient, God is always with us. So it doesn't matter where we're going, what we're going through. When you're obedient to what God's told you to do, all you have to know is that he is with you. And then last week, I dropped some knowledge on you, did I not? About the wise men. You guys found out some stuff about, did you guys were all disappointed? You mean, you know, the wise men didn't show up at the stable? Some of you went home and kicked over your nativity scenes and like, the Bible tells us the wise men actually show up in town. We realized it wasn't three dudes on camels, but they came rolling in with escalades, right? There was probably dozens and hundreds. They were probably had an armed guard around them and they show up and they're like, where is this king we've been waiting 500 years for? I taught you that they were median priesthood. They were instituted, and apparently they were given this beautiful secret of prophecy from Daniel. And we unpacked that. And we talked about how we now are the magi. We get to be the wise men that offer gifts back to God. That we get to seek him in wisdom and understanding. And that we now are the magi that offer him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we realize that those gifts were more prophetic than they were anything Gold representing God's Jesus as kingship. Frankincense, we talked about as an expensive essential oil for those of you that are into oils, the snake oils. And uh, frankincense was really expensive and it was also used in the priesthood. And then we realized that myrrh was a burying ointment. The burying ointment was a prophecy of his death and burial and resurrection. But we also celebrated last week because the book of Isaiah says that when Jesus reigns again, and he will sit on the literal throne. And the Bible says that when he does, gifts will be offered to him according to Isaiah chapter 60-something-ish. It says he will be given gold and frankincense again. And there will be no myrrh because his death was once and for all. And that, yeah, thank you, Lord. (laughs) Matthew chapter 1. Um, you know, I can't help but watching the kids' Christmas program, and I'm reminded of this. The reason we're in this theater this weekend is because uh, Star Wars is in all the other ones. <laughs> and, uh, but I was reminded how all of us, in one way or another, are compelled to these stories. We're drawn to the stories of Star Wars. Or J.R. Tolkien, who was the guy uh, that wrote the Lord of the Rings series, he believed that, that the story of the gospel resonated so deeply with people because it actually reveals an underlying reality. We all have the desire to speak with non-humans. That's why some of you talk to your dogs and your cats. Right? And you pretend like they're really listening. They they are. They talk back. See, y'all need medication. um, But we have this desire to speak to things that are non-human. We also have this deep desire to see evil conquered. Right? If you think about Tolkien, Lewis, um, uh, the weird, uh, what is the one, uh, um, what's the one that, what? 
Yes. Any, what's the one that just finished in the theater? I just took all my kids to see it. Um, Mockingjay. Really, every one of these have this same underlying story, and it's the gospel. We spend millions of dollars on fairy tales because we want to see the gospel portrayed in a deeper light. And here's the gospel story. There's the fall. It happens in every story that you've read. Every story you're compelled to, there's a fall. There's also redemption. And you usually see an unlikely character accomplish something that's unexplainable. And then you see restoration and the plot line. And every one of them are rooted in the biblical doctrine of the gospel. And that's why our souls are so overwhelmed by them. Let me put it this this way. We will know love. This is uh, TK all day, little Dr. Keller for you today. We will know love without parting. We will even communicate with non-human beings, speaking of angels, seraphim. And we will see evil defeated forever. In fairy stories, especially the best and most well-told ones, we get a temporary reprieve from life in which our deepest desires are violently rebuffed. So we're going to begin with the gospel story. Why is the story so compelling to us? In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, this is the word of the Lord. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with a child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear the Mary, for take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife and knew her not until he gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. That's beautiful. Matthew is allowing us to see a glimpse as his audience was a very Jewish audience. And he's actually beginning the story with a prophecy that's hundreds of years old. Any Jewish person would have at least known this story of this coming Christ. The word Christ or Jesus the Christ, what the Jews are waiting for, and and they are still waiting if they've not converted to or become Messianic Jews, they're waiting on the Messiah. In Hebrew, it's the Mashiach Nagid. It is the Messiah King. They're patiently been waiting for centuries after centuries for his arrival. And he finally shows up. Jesus means Jehovah or Yahweh is salvation. And Emmanuel is a Hebrew word that means God is with us. God is with us in every action, in every circumstance in our life. He is with you. God is with us to comfort you whenever you cannot be comforted. He is there to enlighten and protect. He is there to defend us in every temptation and trial. There's been so many times my, in my, my immediate reaction is to defend myself. And I'm like, I don't even have to. <laughs> the Bible says he will fight my battles for me. Why do I need to lift a finger? 
It says that he is there. That's what it means when we get it on the inside, that God is with us. God is with us because he took our place as the perfect and final sacrifice. God is with us in your hour of death. Let me just go ahead and lay this out to you. Father time is undefeated. He's never lost. One day you will die. It's unfortunate. And Bible teaches us that God is with us in that moment on the final day of judgment. The Bible teaches us that Jesus right now is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. The Bible says that he is making intercession on your behalf. Basically, he is the perfect defense attorney. That's his job. His job is to say, you know what? Hey, Ronnie, uh, whoo, we did it again. And he looks at the Father and he says, I know you are perfect. The Hebrew word is kadosh, it's holiness. It means to be completely separated from sin. He says, and I know that you're, the cost of that sin has a price. But Ronnie's covered by my blood. And you are so just that you would never allow for a sin to be paid for twice. I've paid for him. He is with us. He's a man you L. God is with us, demonstrating his love towards us. He added that the nature of his own creation. There's a really unique fable that talks about what God really did. And the Bible, not the Bible, this fable says that to put it in perspective, it would be like you deciding to become, uh, what's the worst thing, a chihuahua. Really, and then dwelling among all the other dogs and allowing all those other dogs to eventually destroy you. And maybe even lower than a chihuahua, right? That's what, that's what he chose to do. He chose, he chose to become like us. The infinite, immortal creator of the world robed himself in flesh. It's uncomprehendable. But he did that so he could dwell among us. God is with us. He exposed himself to weakness and frailty. And um, he was completely, he was fully God and fully man. It was one of the greatest miracles is him becoming human so that he could die for us. His birth means so much. God is with us so that we can come to him. God is with us so that we can approach him. We should come to him without any hesitancy. But the plan that he has for our lives is far greater than any plan that we could create upon our own. He's with us. He's with us. So there's this promise of Emmanuel. It's a prophecy. The Bible says that he is coming. And then he came. So that I want us also to look at, I'm going to get closer in just a second. I want us to look at one more thing. But I want you to, to look at the promise from Emmanuel. So we have this promise, this prophecy of Emmanuel. Now I want to give you a promise from him. These are the words of Jesus in John chapter 14, verse 16. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. 
Now, the only Greek I really know is like baloney. Um, you, you know that's a Greek word? Uh, it's not. Okay. Um, but uh, go back to that verse for Andrew. The word I want to highlight for you just a moment is the word another. John chapter 14. I guess we don't have it up there. It says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter. I just want to unpack the word another for just two minutes. Give me two minutes. There's a, a, a few different words that, the, that could have been translated. There's a few different words that could have been used for another. And the word that Jesus used means exactly like me. Jesus is telling us that he is going to send the Holy Spirit who is just like him. It's not another being different. It's another as the same. There was about four other different Greek words that Jesus could have used if he wanted to say the Holy Spirit was different from him. He didn't. So if we, because of the shed blood of Jesus, have the ability to approach him, The Bible says it's simple. All we have to do is this. Confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. Believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Simple. We complicate it. We become professional Christians and then pretend like you have to dress a certain way, talk a certain way, and then like do the list, right? That's not what the Bible says. What would your life be like if you really believed that, that, that God is with you? Listen, I'm not talking about your behavior modification. We don't believe that around here at Audacity. That's not what Jesus does. Jesus creates an intimate relationship with you where your desire is to please him. Your desire is to become more like him. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. There are some things that I can do that maybe you shouldn't. I can have a glass of wine. If you have a problem drinking... You probably shouldn't. I can watch a rated R movie. My favorite thing about Christians, uh, this is what we do. Uh, we, don't, well, we, don't, we don't want to watch rated R movies. And then the passion comes out and we're like, ah, you know, we can see that one because it's about Jesus. It's nauseating. Now, if you can't watch a movie without using that vocabulary, then you know what? You can't watch a rated R movie. Maybe you can't um, do a certain task. There are so many things that aren't, that we, they're different. Paul says he becomes all things to all people so that by him all, some might be saved. But that's not our role. Our role is to be in an intimate, real, genuine relationship with Jesus. He is with us. How different would your life look if you knew that God is for you? What task might you tackle? What goal might you set? The Bible says that you are a child of God. (laughs) I want the very best things for my children. Having so many of them is frustrating. Like, hey, you got some new shoes. You know, I know your brother had them first, but they're new to you. I mean, I, 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 I wish I could give them so much more. And I am not a great dad. I'm a decent dad. I'm a good dad. I'm trying to figure that out. You have a perfect father who loves you and is with you. And his plan for your life is perfect. But you have to be obedient to him 
And then he's with you. God with us. What confidence would you have knowing that God is with you every step you take? What empowerment should you feel knowing that God is with you? What peace, joy, patience, gentleness, kindness, long-suffering, and self-control would you have knowing that God is with us? What hope should you have? What hope should you feel? Because you know, Emmanuel is real. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get plugged into the ministry of Audacity or support this ministry financially, you can get more information at loveservego.com.